What is threat modeling? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I'm your host, Timothy DeBlock, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is threat modeling. And with me today to do that is Wolfgang Gorlick, Vice President of Viopoint. Wolfgang, how are you? Hello, I'm doing real good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. So first thing, what is threat modeling exactly? Well, threat modeling is... At, at its core, taking a threat or a, a, a given attack, breaking that out into its constituent parts, and modeling each step in that attack so that um, we can do several things. We can, we can understand what it looks like. We can explain it to our peers in operations and in software development. Um, and we can begin to figure out how we can put controls around each one of those steps so that should the threat happen, uh, we'd be prepared and and ready for it. So so why threat modeling? Why is it important? Well, there's there's a couple different reasons for that. The main reason why threat modeling is important in my mind is to get to the state where we can have a rational discussion uh, about what a real attack looks like. So, you know, my background, a little bit about me is I came out of the in-house IT space. And so for several years, I was in-house IT manager. I was responsible for software development and IT operations and security. And when you're in that space, right, you don't necessarily know what a real attack looks like. You may hear about it in the news. You know, I would I would read something one day and go, oh, no, that that's that sounds scary. I got to react. I got to be ready for that. And because of that lack of context, um, we end up creating a whole bunch of controls and a whole bunch of work for ourselves. So step one is just to contextualize uh, what a real attack looks like and understand what a real attack looks like. And step two is, of course, to to be ready for it, right? So, so often in software development or IT, we spend a lot of time trying to make things right, but not knowing where we're going to be attacked and knowing where the attacks are going to come from, um, we miss things, right? We, we naturally miss steps in our defense. And those steps, those chinks in the armor are exactly what attackers are taking advantage of today. Now, something I've been hearing about within the information security is that you need to, you need to kind of be a hacker. You need to, you know, you kind of need to understand or, or kind of get into that and kind of, um, you know, do something, it almost seems like you have to kind of practice it. Is that something you need to, to do threat modeling? It is, it is either you, you need someone who can think like an attacker or you need to be the person who can think like an attacker, right? So you can always partner with people. Uh, myself, not doing much of the pen testing or whatnot. I, I often rely on my team to, to give me advice and, and guidance, but yeah, you, you need that insight, right? What does the real bad guy look like? What is the real bad guy doing? So you just is it just a mindset or do you actually have to know specific techniques? It's both. It's both. Um, one, it's a mindset in that, um, you know, if you if you come up through the ranks of software development, you're taught how to to build the code and work with the objects. 
if you come up through the ranks of IT, you're taught how here's how a system works, here's our layer of abstraction, here's what we're trying to implement. And in, in both cases, the mindset very much is wrapped up in that layer of abstraction, right? Here's our abstraction, here's what we're doing to apply it. Whereas the hacker mindset peels back the layer of the abstraction, right? Peels back to say, okay, yeah, that's what it looks like, but what is it really doing? What's the real underlying implementation? Uh, there, there was recently like an attack, and I said recently, I think it was maybe a year ago now, two years ago, uh, on PHP. And it was a really cool attack, but what the attack was actually doing was recognizing that under the covers, PHP is executing C code. So by passing certain parameters in through PHP, it went into the C code and thereby exploited problems lower on down the chain, right? So that makes sense. It's understanding those different layers that is the hacker mindset and how to move through those layers. Um, but that said, even with the mindset of, okay, let's peel back the layers, uh, you do need an understanding of the tactics and, and what the attackers are doing. What are their tools, tactics, and procedures? Right. Okay. So what, what are some of the other skills that you would need to uh, perform or put together an effective threat model? Patience. <laughs> Patience <laughs> and communication. Um, so the way to, to step back, the type of threat modeling that uh, that I perform is something called an attack path. And what that is, that is a uh, holistic system version of threat modeling. It's not necessarily like uh, application threat modeling. So you can do threat modeling for apps, you can do it for systems, you can do it for organizations, there's a whole bunch of different ways. Um, but the way I, I do it is I do the attack path, which looks at uh, all the systems in a given scope looks at the business relevance of those systems and looks at what the attacker's objectives are doing, you know, what the attacker is trying to accomplish. So in that, you need to, to know why your IT matters to your business, know why it matters to the attackers, know those tools, tactics, and procedures the attackers are going to use, and then be able to have a good conversation with the various owners of those IT assets to say, okay, if this were to happen today, how would we detect it and how would we prevent it? Okay, so it sounds like you want to kind of have a, a focused approach on certain things, but you also kind of want to have a bigger picture. Is that what I'm getting out of that? Yeah, exactly. You need you need to keep an eye on the bigger picture. But you still have to have like on – you need to define the business, like what's important to the business, and then kind of do your threat modeling on that, like a particular part of the business because, you know, like organizations have different functions. Correct. Correct. And I think this is, you know, just information security uh, tenant, right? Which is if you're going to invest time and effort in securing something, even if it's something as simple as starting with a threat model and then building your controls around it, uh, we want to be spending that time on the IT assets that are the most meaningful to the organization and also the IT assets that are most likely to be attacked. So would you start with the bigger picture then, just so that you can identify which ones are the mo most important? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Start with the bigger picture. What, are, what is your most important IT assets if it gets attacked? And then, so that's your business relevance. And then look at the attacker objectives. What are the most likely things to be attacked? Okay. So who should perform this threat modeling? Who should perform the threat modeling? Well, uh, I've 
seen a couple different ways that this has been done. I've seen it owned by the Security Operations Center as part of incident management, um, which is effective. I mean, they are the ones who are seeing the attacks, so they have a good idea of, of what the real-world attacks look like. I've seen it owned by, you know, the CISO, of course, as part of an overall risk management program. And that's a good place to have it because you need the ability to pull in the right people uh, into the conversation and get things done also once, once you identify what controls you need. So I've seen it those two ways, and I've also seen uh, this used by secure DevOps teams. So, for example, they may see a past attack or a pen test, threat model it, and then codify that threat model as a test that they then perform whenever they're making changes and updating their, their systems and their software. So I've also seen it used effectively as part of a QA process. How do you know when you've got an effective threat model? You know when you have an effective threat model when you've got a realistic threat, um, when you've got something that matters to the business, when you do the model and you do a tabletop exercise, um, everyone in the room learns something, right? It can be really eye-opening to your IT ops people. Oh, that's what an attack looks like. And when that threat model once complete can be used to, to drive change, right? To identify controls that need to be implemented or to create a test case that could be, you know, ran again against the environment to make sure that those controls are actually working as advertised. Okay. And so what are the, some of the different aspects of threat modeling? I, mean, I think we've talked about the first two steps there is understanding what it is and implementing, uh, you know, controls uh, mm-hmm. along that attack path. But what are some of the other different aspects of, of that so we identify, we already mentioned relevance, we already mentioned objectives. We'd start with a story, right? Here's a, here's a real-world attack that happened in our organization or in a similar organization. Um, we break it down into the stages of the attack. Um, everything from external recon to, you know, getting the toehold to, you know, exploiting some weakness in the system, getting persistence, right down to achieving that objective. So you break down the attack in the various stages, you explain those tactics um, in clear language, language that could be explained to a senior technologist. So ideally, this threat model should be something you could explain to your CISO or your CIO. Um, then you tabletop with your, your subject matter experts, IT asset owners, um, what controls you have and what controls would be ideal. And then once you have those controls, you come up with an exercise that for detective controls would replicate the evidence of that particular tactic um, or for preventative controls would test to make sure, you know, am I really preventing from, from doing this? So, for example, if I've got an attacker and he's going to shoot this exploit at my system, I could fire up an exploit and shoot the exploit. Uh, if I've got an attacker in one of the stages is um, creating a, an account in Active Directory, and A, he shouldn't be able to do that because of my controls, um, and B, if it does happen, I should be able to detect it, and my incident response team should react. Well, I can give it to my IT team and say, hey, create a user under these conditions. Um, let us know if you can, because you know that means the control's not working. <laughs> and once it's done, um, if you can, let us know that uh, that the actual incident response team did see it and did respond. 
So scenario, tabletop, and then exercise. Okay. Is there a way to flip the threat modeling so you can do this for internal breaches? Because it seems like we're dealing mostly with uh, attackers coming from the outside. So, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, We don't only want to look at the outside, right? So, so many of the attacks are the insider threat or uh, moreover, someone, you know, um, is brought an infected box and whatnot. So, yeah, absolutely. We do have – we have done – insider uh, threat modeling, which is pretty similar. You just skip those first couple steps, right? They're not going to be doing uh, external recon. They're not going to be exploding, but they are going to be looking around internally. They are going to be attempting to access files and emails and things they shouldn't. They are going to be transmitting lots of data. And that's the other thing that, um, you know, getting back to your question, right, about what's an effective threat model is that if you take this threat model and then you build it into your controls, um, you can then look for things that look like that threat model. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, give you a perfect example. Um, we did a threat model of an insider threat and we did it like on a Friday, we did a security exercise, looked like it was good. We implemented it into, um, the SIM that they're using. And the very next week, uh, we get a call and they're like, well, hey, you know that threat model we did? I'm like, yeah. And they said, well, kind of funny. Um, either we didn't implement the controls right or <laughs> someone just attempted to do what we modeled. And we started peeling back the onion. And sure enough, uh, within three days, someone had attempted enough of those steps um, that the sim, which we had configured to, you know, check for this type of threat model had triggered, they investigated and lo and behold, there was someone who had been terminated, but their account was still active and they were poking around a few days afterwards, trying to see what they could still get at. So yeah, absolutely. Insider threat is very real. And I think that's also a good, good example of leveraging a threat model to build controls and then check for these things to happen. So and that, that seems to be the biggest thing is, is uh, kind of checking, like understanding your environment and then putting, put it, kind of putting it to the test. I really like your attack path uh, analogy there where – and I almost imagine like you've got like a gate. Someone gets past the gate. you got someone standing you know, down the road with a baseball rat ready to, ready to bonk <laughs> someone over the head. Um, and, and that's kind of see what, I, what, what I see there. Is, is there anything else that – I need to understand to implement threat modeling. No, no. I think threat modeling is is pretty simple. There are many ways to do it. Uh, so today we're talking about the attack path, which is really uh, a top-down, high-level approach. Um, there's some really good ways to threat model your applications. So as part of a secure development lifecycle, um, there are things like Stride and whatnot that apply the threat model to a feature as opposed to a system. Um, which is very handy. There are very complex threat models that you can use if you're concerned about the relative weight of different scenarios that uh, an attacker would take, and that's where you get into things like gamification. But I think the attack path to me is is the simplest way to do a threat model and yet get a lot of value out of it in terms of building your controls, getting the guy there with a baseball bat, doing the right things, 
so that you can be ready for what a real attack looks like. Well, it almost seems uh, that would be easier to explain to uh, you know a CIO or, or even a, a CEO. Yeah, it it definitely is, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I began this approach many years ago because I started looking at attack trees, and and boy, that is attack trees are fascinating. If you ever have uh, a surplus of time, <laughs> interest in gamification, uh, because you basically wait out all the various possibilities that an attacker could take through your system, uh, and, and make a very beautiful looking tree graph. But I got to tell you, if I've now need to explain that to, uh, a CIO or CISO, you know yeah. what I mean? It, yeah. It's horrible. It's like, you see this little line right here? If we just had increased the weight and take the loop, it's like, they have no idea what you're talking about. It's a tree. It's a tree. It's beautiful. <laughs> we just need to prune it. <laughs> yeah. Ah. And no one <laughs> likes pruning. No one likes pruning. That's true. That's <laughs> it. The only thing I ever hear people, you know, criticize attack path is it is an oversimplification um, to which I reply. Great. I want something simple that I can get a lot of value out and then I can explain to others. Right. Well, and, and like any like hiking path, you can you can make several different uh, attack paths. So you have like different, you know, or maybe like ski routes or whatever. You know, you got your black diamond, you got your, you know, your bunny slope and and all that. So oh, it, I, I like that. <laughs> you you kind of the bunny slope threat model. Yes. Right. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's minor threats versus your more diamond black diamond threats that you probably want to get it get control of so and might Absolutely. be a little bit more might be a little more complicated and and to handle so mm-hmm. i i agree what are some of the resources that uh, can be utilized to accomplish threat modeling is there like a book or you know web links obviously your talks uh at various cons are, are a great resource but what are some of the things that kind of helped you so a good book for threat modeling, it, it just came out by Adam Shostak. It's actually called Threat Modeling. It's Designing for Security. And it is very applicable to Microsoft's model of threat modeling because that's where, where Adam works. Um, but does a very good job of explaining start to finish the, the process of identifying threats, doing the models, and then communicating it back to the people who are responsible for building and securing the systems. So that is a that is a very good resource to look at. And what's the name of that book again? Threat Modeling: Designing for Security. And that's by Adam Showstack. Showstack. Okay. All right. Any other maybe online resources? Um, there is along the same lines of of Microsoft. There's a lot of resources in Microsoft for their SDL. I'd also encourage people to look at the the Kill Chain methodology by Lockheed Martin. Those are the main ones. The um, we are also within the MySec community working on a white paper for attack path um, that should be coming out this year. But as with any security community, we're we're all pretty pressed for time, so right, right. I'm not sure when that's going to be uh, going to be available for people. Okay. Well, any any last thoughts on threat modeling that we didn't cover in this uh, this podcast episode? Uh, do we want to talk about lifecycle and frequency? Sure. So the way I would suggest doing threat modeling is frequently, obviously, um, on new systems that are coming on as part of the uh, implementation plan. Also, overall, at least quarterly, uh, in many instances, we do the monthly 
So as new threats are identified, either in you know investigation by the security operations team, or you know the the new scary thing that's hit the news, or as information is being shared with their Isaacs, um, doing a monthly threat model works very well to keep people informed, to break down the news into specific tactics and whatnot. And then we would roll those up into either quarterly or biannually drills. So just like you have a fire drill, just like you have a BCP drill, those threat models can then be used for instant response drills. So you basically get a lot of bang for your buck that way. Okay, so it kind of sounds like your attack paths are almost always evolving, which makes sense. Yeah, exactly, because there's always a new threat out there. There's mm -hmm. always a new attack, right? So you want to kind of reevaluate every, like you were saying, every month. I, I, I don't know <laughs> if that's feasible for everybody, but um, it sounds like you at least want to have that in the back of your mind that, okay, we've got this taken care of. You know, Maybe we need to go back and revisit this at some, some point. Right, right. And it's not a time-intensive thing. It can be done within like a half day. Okay. It, would that be even building the threat model itself, or it seems like that would take a little bit longer? Absol absolutely. Well, it depends on how much insight you have into an attack, right? So uh, what I see some mature organizations do is, all right, we've had a security incident. As part of their post-mortem, they would do the threat model of what that incident looks like. And then the next time they did a threat model um, exercise and brought everyone in, they walk through the various uh, tactics that were used and, again, discuss the controls and build an exercise. So, you know, it it's, depends on how clear of information you have about what that attack looks like. If it's pretty clear, it's pretty straightforward. If it's something like, hey, you know, this particular university got breached and they've got a bunch of records, well, obviously, there's, there's not enough data there to, to build a good threat model. Right, right. Okay. Well, that will do it. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't, drop me a line on Twitter at TimothyDBlock or email me at Timothy.dblock at gmail.com and let me know what you didn't learn and we'll try to cover it in a future podcast. Uh, Wolfgang, did you have anything you wanted to plug? No, that's good. I really appreciate uh, you having me on. This is a, a very valuable resource and I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you can follow Wolfgang on at jwolfganggorlick. That's uh, G-O-E-R-L-I-C-H. And have a good one. <laughs>